0: Um, was was uh, it? It was a crazy scene. Um, but I do want you guys to know that uh, we were. It was very cold. Um, my throat is a little scratchy this morning. So if I cough, I apologize. Um, I want to do something different this morning. A little new this morning. Um, we are going to play a game. You guys ready for that? Yeah, we're going to play a game this morning. Um, and uh, I am going to, in just one second, I'm going to invite Bob Miller to come up here and Brittany Robertson to come up here. They are going to be our mom and our pop this morning for our game. Um, I want to explain this before I, before I bring them up. We're going to have two sides of the church. You guys, this here, this side, you're the right side of the church. If you're facing me, it's the right side. Um, you guys are one team. Everybody on this side, give yourself a round of applause. Okay. Um, and this side of the church, you guys are another team. So you guys give yourself a round of applause. You're, you're the left, left side of the church. Um, Bob is going to be the papa of the left side, okay? And Brittany is going to be the, the mama of this side. And so um, without any further ado, let's play Family Feud! <laughs> It's like this guy's never seen the game before or anything. Okay, so here's the way this game works. Um, it's not li- exactly like the game that you see on television, but it is similar. It's one round and one round only. Winner takes all. Okay, here's the way this game's going to work. I'm going to read you guys a question, and uh, the, first, the first person to ring in with our bell right here, tap in on the bell, is going to get the first shot at answering the questions, Okay. So, from then on out, we will go back and forth. It will not be just one side until they lose. It'll go back and forth, and the team with the most points wins, okay? Now, we're going to need some crowd participation because this is just your representative of your answers, so they're going to be listening for you guys when it's your turn to call out your answers. That makes sense? Okay. Now, if we get one wrong, here's what you're going to hear. Oh, my <laughs> Okay, only one of those, but you're going to hear those. Um, And if you get three wrong, well, that's not a big deal. If we get three wrong in the game, that will be the end of the game. Does that make sense? Okay, so is everybody ready? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I want Bob and Brittany to come and face each other. I'm going to read a question, and that question will also appear on the screen. Okay, the first one to ring in we'll get the first opportunity to answer the question. Are you guys ready? All right, here we go. The question is, name the top seven responses to New Year's resolution. Oh, She, she, she was on top of it. She read it on the board. Okay, so give me your response. Weight loss. Okay, so we have weight loss, which is judges... Number two, number two, that gave you 27 points, okay, 27 points, now, Bob, you are the pop of this team, you need to get some, get some feedback from your team right here, what, Um, we're going to go with uh, eat healthy, we're going to go with eat healthy, eat healthy, is they probably did the I'm sorry. That was one that was one 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 miss. Okay. Here we go. One miss. Okay, so family, right side of the church. Get some responses. Exercise it is. Judges say, that is the number one answer. That is the number one answer. Exercise, workout, more. That is correct. Okay. So you guys are behind the eight ball right here. means you guys need to do some damage right here with this question. So get some response from your team. The answer is save money. Judges, that is number three. Spend less, save more. Spend less, save more. All right. So we're getting close here. Here we go. We're going to say spend more time with family. Spend more time with family judges. That is number four. Okay. I do have to say, I'm pretty sure that t- this team over here is out of reach of this team right here, but we're going to finish this game out because there's pride involved. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, I'm down with the underdog. I'm, I'm okay with that. Okay. So team right here, team on the left side of the church. We're going to go with travel, judges, that is number five, that is number five, I love it, okay? We're just going to say read the Bible more. We're going to say read the Bible more because we are in church even though these are not church answers, so read the Bible more, judges. Oh! Wow. The Jesus juke and everything. All right, here we go. There's one more answer up on the board. Do we think the left side of the church can pull it out? Here we go. Yeah, stop doing everything bad. <laughs> um, yeah, new hobbies. New hobbies. Judges? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here we go. One more. One more here. Stop smoking. Stop smoking. Judges? Okay. I want you to think a little bit more modern technology-wise. Less time on the cell phone. Less time on the cell phone? (laughs) Judges, yes. All right. Hey, I want to say great job, right side of the church. You are victors. Hey, great job, left side of the church. I'm really proud of you guys. Thank you guys for participating. Everybody give it up for Bob, Bob and Brittany. You know, you gotta love something just a little bit stupid to get things started off. Um, But I do want you guys to know, I find it interesting um, the whole idea of New Year's resolutions. It is an interesting thing that we um, have this desire, that humanity has this desire inside of us to at some point during the year go, I'm gonna do something different, I'm gonna do something new. And, and we have this thing that happens right around New Year's, which gives us an excuse to do that. Um, I do want you to know, and I find it very interesting, that almost all of the responses, and I found this on the internet, by the way, which is a wealth of really factual knowledge. Okay. Um, I want you to know that I find it interesting that all of the responses there are resolutions or a response to bad habits that we have. Or it's almost like an admission of unhealth that we have. It's an admission that I have not been healthy altogether. I haven't done the things that I know down deep inside I should be doing to be healthy. And, I, and, and it is crazy. I, I'm pretty sure that there is something that God has built inside of us that has prompted us to have this response. There's something down deep inside of all of humanity that has caused us to have this response that we go, oh my gosh, I need to change. Something needs to happen. Something needs to change. And so we're gonna spend some time this morning talking about what that looks like, why that is there, and what is God really communicating to us in the midst of that inner feeling, that inner sense of something that needs to change? And so we have to go back, I think, to the birth of Christ to, to gain any sort of knowledge about what this, why, why this phenomenon exists, why this prompting, why this thing inside of us exists. And so I'm going to give you guys, um, uh, before uh, I, we're going to look in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. It's page 933 in your Bible. I and mean, we're going to read there in just a minute. But before we go there, here's what's happened to this place in this passage of Scripture. Jesus has been born. He's been born in Bethlehem, in a stable, in a manger, all that stuff that we talk about during Christmas. He's been born. And there is a, according to Jewish law, there is an eight-day Window, an eight-day period where um, the the child um, heals, the mother heals, and 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 then they bring the especially baby boys in in the in the Jewish tradition. They bring the child in to be circumcised. Okay, so there's this eight-day window that happens, and then after that, there is a forty. Uh, There's a 40-day window that a woman has to wait before she is ceremonially clean before she can enter the temple again. So they have to wait the eight days and then an additional 32 days before they can take Jesus, their firstborn, to be consecrated, to, to be blessed by a priest in the temple. Okay, And when they get there, there's this guy named Simeon. Um, And Simeon has been, God has been talking to him, teaching him, sharing with him some things. And I want to read to you this passage of scripture um, because I find it really, really interesting. Okay, oh my gosh, I need my glasses. Um, So this is from uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. And here's what it says. It says, there, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. He had been, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was being said about him, this, this part is the, is the part that I really want you to listen to. It says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that, that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This child, this child will be the rise and the fall of many in Israel. I think that there was something really spectacular that happened when Jesus was born. And we know that. We know that there was something really spectacular that happened when Jesus was born. But I think it, it cut so deep into the hearts of humanity that we don't even realize at times that it exists. When Jesus was born on the face of the earth, when he came as a baby, it made it so that there would never be a time in humanity again where any person could ride the fence. It made it so That you are either for God or against God. That you are either for God or against God. That is, is, is a big deal. And at times, that is really complicated to talk about and really complicated to hear. I do not like being put in places where I have to choose one way or the other. That is not who I am don't ask me to choose between Pepsi and Coke. I like both of those things. But this is a place in history where God says, you as humanity no longer have the ability to choose. You are either for God or against God. Now, I want you to know that in history all along, God has had the ability to judge the hearts of humanity. There hasn't been a time where God hasn't been able to look at somebody and go, and to know them and go, hey, I know whether you're with me or not with me. But this was the first time that humanity became aware of of this place where they had to choose one way or the other. This was the first time place, God drew a line in the sand and said, you're either with me or you're against me. And I want you to know that sounds harsh, but God loves us so much that he is not willing to let us sit on the fence. He is not willing to let us sit in a place where we're not moving, where we're standing still. He will push us into transition. He will cause us to either grow in him or fall farther away from him. God loves us so much, and he is offering an invitation to come and follow Now, that is a big deal. Jesus' birth did that, and we have to go back and look at Jesus' birth before we move on into any other place where we can go, hey, what is happening inside of us? Jesus drew a line when he walked on the face of the earth as a child. We're going to spend the next little bit of our scripture, um, the next little bit of our time looking in the book of Mark. Mark. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Um, it's on page 910 in your Bible. Um, and and when, when I talk about this, this is a big deal because we see over and over and over in the Gospels where Jesus is communicating some things. Hey, you're either with me or not with me. You're either with me or not with me. And we see it over and over again, and we're going to read this passage of Scripture. But before we leave the birth of Christ... I want you guys to know a couple of things. Because Jesus came as a baby, there are some things that God is communicating to us about his posture towards humanity. That line in the sand may feel a lot like, may feel a little harsh. But I want you to know what God's posture is in the middle of all this stuff. First, because Jesus came as a baby, he is communicating my My posture towards you is gentle. I do not desire to rule you with an iron fist. God is saying, I'm coming to you as a baby. I am coming to you in a gentle way, in a way that causes you to go, (laughs) oh. My dad came over to my house the other day, and we happened to be watching uh, DJ and my wife and was, happened to be watching DJ and Amy Brooks' baby, um, and my dad walked in, and the first thing he does, who we got here? (laughs) Like, because Jesus came as a baby, it causes us to go, oh, like, his, his posture is gentle. His posture is gentle. His posture is engaging. Like, the fact that he God came down out of heaven and walked on the face of of the earth means that he desires to engage in our lives. Not only is he gentle, but he is one that wants to like lean in, listen, watch, pay attention, participate. Like his posture isn't one of from a distance I'm watching. He is right here leaning in. And the last thing, because of Jesus' death on the cross, you know that God's posture towards us, humanity, is caring. There is no reason why Jesus had to die on the cross and be punished and hurt and full of pain and death unless he was trying to communicate something. He is communicating, I care about you. I am willing to take the bullets for you, I am willing to to hurt for you I care about you that god's posture towards all of humanity is leaning in caring gentle engaging let's look at this passage of scripture um, you know one of the coolest parts about about God is that he knew that we would struggle at times to understand who he was. And so when he sent Jesus on the face of the earth, he gave this passage of Scripture um, in Colossians that said, if we want to know God the Father, all we have to do is look at Jesus. All we have to do is follow Jesus, look at Jesus. What did he say? What did he do? And so this, we're going to read through this passage of Scripture. Mark chapter 2, verses 1-12. through 12. And this is, this is probably an encounter that you guys have read about and heard about before. Um, but I, I want you guys to hear this. Um, and I'm going to ask you guys for a bit of response afterwards. So make sure you pay attention. Uh, listen to words, phrases, things that catch your attention as, as we go. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, people heard that he had come home he gathered in such a large, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room for left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic, paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and by digging through it, they lowered the mat with the man on it that the man was lying on. Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or say, Get up and take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I'd love to ask, what are some words, phrases, or things that caught your attention in the middle of that passage of Scripture? Anything? Uh, Yeah, the Pharisees were so quick to judge, so easy to judge and not have faith. Other things that caught your attention? Yeah, that one guy who was paralyzed—he had some friends, some good friends. I don't know. I think I have some friends who might dig a hole in the church building and lead him. Hit some good friends. What else? What are some other things that you noticed? Jesus yeah, Jesus knew in His spirit what they were thinking. He knew. Like, he didn't have to ask. He just knew. yeah, yeah. He was like, I am, I am going to heal you on behalf of their faith. That's amazing. One other thought. Anybody else? Yeah. Not only am I going to do the the thing that you physically asked for, I'm going to do the spiritual thing that you didn't ask for. Yeah, both. And I have the power to do both. Yeah, watch me do it. (laughs) Watch me do it. You know, there are so many great things about this passage of scripture. So many great things and so many different places that I was like, let's go there. But I want you to know that my brain went to a couple of different places. There are two words in this passage of scripture that I find very interesting, and the first one is exactly what we we're talking about over here. Jesus knew. Jesus knew. That word "knew." Okay, the word "know" or "knew" is used like a ridiculous amount of times in the Bible, and it's used a whole bunch of times in Old Testament or in New Testament scripture. This word, new, is used five times in the book of Mark. The other ones, there are 41 other, uh, other references to the word know, but this one is new. And, it, and it's epigonosko, is the Greek word for not just become aware of or not have an understanding of, but this word means a complete, full knowledge almost and could be pre-knowledge of them. He, Jesus, knew what was happening in their heart. Jesus knew what was happening in their heart. He had a complete, full knowledge of the people, of everybody that was in that room. He knew them and knows them well. There's another word that happens a little bit later in there. Um, it's it's so that they might know that I have the ability. And he's using that word in reference to humanity. And that word is oida. Oida. And that is to become aware of. It's used often as, as a reference to what humanity learns. Now, I want you to know that... One of the things that I think is at the deepest core of who we are as humanity is our desire to be known. Like, we want to be known. I want to be known by the people around me. I want to be known by my family and my friends. I want to be known by the people that that are in this community. I want to be known. But I have a feeling that we want OIDA, I want people to be aware of me so that when I walk by, they acknowledge my existence, that that when I'm there, they know that I'm in the room. But I do not always want EpiGonosco. I do not want somebody to have full knowledge of me. I do not want that. That is scary. That makes me nervous. I remember when I was 12 years old, um, I had some. I grew up in a neighborhood of of, of like 12 boys and one little girl, um, and we would get together at times and go play football and do stuff together. And um, I remember uh, the first. Uh, this was probably the first of of several times that this happened. But uh, my friend next door lived to me. He he uh, lived with his mom. Uh, his parents were divorced. He had a father that um, was estranged from his life and thought the way that, was, that would be good to get back into his life would, is, was to buy him inappropriate magazines and, and that type of stuff. Um, and so we all got together um, and spent the night in a tent in his backyard. Um, and I was 12 years old, and we spent that entire evening uh, looking at, at these magazines we spent the entire evening uh, talking about things that, um, that, were, that were just probably not worth repeating. And I remember going home the next day and sitting on my bed. And I woke up the next, uh, like, so we spent the night. I came home, fell asleep, took a nap, and woke up. And when I woke up, it was the first time that I remember being lonely, that I remember being alone and just going, what did I do? I feel separated from people. I feel ashamed. Like if my parents knew, if anybody else knew what had happened, that they wouldn't want anything to do with me. And I I remember walking um, later that evening. We went out um, to to do a a shopping run. um, And I remember walking out, and, and my friends were in their front yard they were in my friend's front yard playing, and I remember looking over at them and just like turning away and looking down and walking and just going, oh my gosh, they know. They know what I've, where I've been. They know what I've been doing, and that is what God knows about you. Epi ginosko, God knows you. He knows everything about you. Everything. There is nothing that you can hide from him. The heart of who you are and where you're going, he knows. He knows. And that is scary. But I want you to know that the posture of God that I talked about before is really important here. It's really important here because God knowing us doesn't mean that we are lost. It doesn't mean that we are full of shame. It doesn't mean that we are unredeemable. What it means is that our response to God has to be one of humility, one of gratefulness, and one of God, your will, that's what I want. It has to be that. God's posture to us is, he cares about us, he leans forward, he's gentle, he's engaging, he's care, he cares for us, and he knows you, everything about you. There is, there is not any way to sit in this place and go, God does not know whether I'm for him or against him. But... God's desire is for us to move, to be transformed, to be changed because he loves us and he cares for us and he wants good things for us. He wants us to move forward. And so we live in this place where now we're, now we're sitting in a place in January where we're making these New Year's resolutions based on a feeling that I think God has put in us He's prompted inside of us that he knows our bad behavior. He knows what's happening inside of us. And our response is often, well, I know my bad habit of overeating. It's obvious. And my response can either be one of two things. I'm going to fix my problem. I'm going to fix my problem. I'm going to eat less. I'm going to go to the gym more. I'm going to spend some time with Brad Durham. (laughs) Which is something that I can fix. But the problem is something that I can't fix. My motivation to do those things must be something deeper. It must require me to be beyond my own capabilities. It must require me to really get on my knees in humility before the Lord and go, you know me. You know I need to change. You know that I'm unhealthy. I am so grateful that you have offered an invitation for me to be with you. And I want what you want. I want what you want. So instead of this New Year's time, where we go, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to come up with my own New Year's resolution, the thing that's going to fix, that I'm going to do to fix me," I would love to ask you to reevaluate. Take six days. You've already had six days. Take six more days, and reevaluate a New Year's resolution and go. What is something that God wants me to do? All of those things up there, eat less, work out more, spend less time on my cell phone, read more, all those things are healthy. They are good things. They are good things for us to do. But if they're motivated by something that you can accomplish, we've missed the boat. We've missed it. But if this is something where we can do it, give a New Year's resolution that, and I wrote these things down because I felt like they were really important. If, they were, if these were New Year's resolution that cause us to depend upon God more, if it's a New Year's resolution that requires God's intervention, it's not something that I can accomplish on my own. And if it's a New Year's resolution that mimics God's posture towards me, to the rest of humanity then I think that's a noble New Year's resolution and let's go forward God knows you he knows me more than anybody else and I want you to know that thing inside of you that says do something different change move forward is prompted by God but if, we, if our response to that is something that we can accomplish or something that we do, we've missed it. This year, Wellspring Church, can we lean into God more? Can we more, be more dependent upon Him? Can we ask Him to do things that only He can accomplish? I want us to do that personally and as a community. Thank you guys for an opportunity for me to to speak and share with you some of those things. I have a lot of work to do. Check that. God has a lot of work to do in my life. I can only be submissive to that. Let me pray generally Father, Lord, I am so grateful that you don't just you don't just draw the line in the sand. You don't just put a place in there where we, where we have to choose, but, but you also provide a path and a way for us to grow and learn and transform and change. Lord, I apologize that we so often leave you out that our response is, I got it, I'm gonna take care of it myself. Lord, I pray that this year we would lean in that we would know that you know us, whether we're with you or without you, Lord, that we would move to a place where we are with you, where we would be under your discipline and under your care. Because, Lord, you are gentle, you are engaging, and you love us. Lord, thank you for this time this morning. Um, I pray that you would, you would do what only you can do, it's in your holy name we pray. I do um, want you guys to know that we are going to enter into a time of communion, and so I'm going to invite the, the praise um, team to come up, and, and they're going to they're gonna, uh, do some music for us. And just know that um, the, the ushers will come down, and they'll dismiss you by aisle. And um, there's, there's bread and um, wine over here, and I, um, there's also a gluten-free option if, if that's something that you're in need of. Um, this uh, participation and taking and the breaking of bread and wine is, is it is the first step in the recognition that God